From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up uh, with uh, Jeremy Schilling, Danny Flecker joining us here on a Friday, September 22nd, 2023. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Uh, your Giants fall to the 49ers last night. You didn't have Saquon Barkley. Um, where, your, your thoughts on, on A, the game, B, this stretch, now you and now that you have 11 days off, especially after, you're, after you were able to eke out that win versus the Cardinals last week. Yeah, uh, they were out a lot yesterday, uh, including their... Uh, they started their entire offensive line, basically, uh, except for two guys. So, you know, it was an uphill battle. I thought early on in the game they, they showed some fight. Um, they were aggressive early on their first drive against the Niners. Uh, the, the thing that was more concerning to me in that game, when I, when I take a look at it, you know, I didn't expect there to be a win, uh, but it, they, they gave up too many third down and long situations. Uh, I think the 49ers at some point were, I don't know, like almost 80%, um, you know, converting on third downs, um, which is just not, you know, you're, you're just not putting yourself in, in a situation there where you can actually um, come back and, and, you know, play efficient football there. I mean, yeah, there were 9 for 16 yesterday. Against the Giants defense, I think half of those third downs, if not more, were, were third and ten plus. Um, and two stick out big screen play, an outside screen to Debo, and then a running back screen to McCaffrey were two of those plays that they gave up, and there was a lot more than that too. Um, and another thing is, is that they they were just not tackling well at all, and that's something I've noticed in the last couple of weeks. Their tackling has been terrible. They really need to get back to the drawing board, I think, on the defensive side. There were some positives, I think, on the defensive side. You know, some of their coverage was pretty good on certain situations. They got a couple of sacks, you know, a couple of batted balls. But uh, run defense still looks like an issue. McCaffrey was gashing them um, for multiple, you know, multiple carries. So I really think they need to kind of go back and, and understand maybe this experiment with, you know, Dory Jackson in the slot is just not working. Um, maybe they need to do a different type of rotation on their interior. Uh, whatever it is, they need to get back to, I think, a little bit about of what made them successful last year and really get things you know, to a spot where they can be competitive and give them more time with the ball. You know, they only had the ball for 20 minutes yesterday, so a lot of that comes down to getting, getting the opposing team off the field. Um, offensively, now, not surprised with any of the output from yesterday. Tough matchup. Uh, I really, I think what we saw a little bit in the Cardinals game is what they need to be a little bit more of. Uh, downfield passing, more explosive, uh, not relying on this dink and dunk and scrambling uh, situation with Daniel Jones. I do think... We'll see a little bit of an adjustment from the Giants, I think. You know, they play the Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills, Commanders, and then your Jets the next couple of weeks. I think there's some opportunity there for them to, to show a little bit more of what they've shown these first three weeks. I'm, I'm not too terrified of any of the games. I just think that they need to be able to execute, and if they execute, they'll be fine. I'm confident that if they get to the Week 13 by 
at 500 or one, you know, one game above or one game below, they can close up the season pretty strong. So, um, I I I, I want to ask you about Saquon, who said to Amazon last night that it is a high ankle sprain, yet it's still a regular sprain, and they think they can get this. You know that that his timeline won't be as long as some other high ankle sprains because he heals well. You've had ankle sprains. Does the fact that he says it says it's a high ankle sprain change anything from them saying that it was his, you know, just a regular sprain? It it it, it does technically, but does it? But in your mind, is it more the athlete and his healing, um, you know, uh, reputation versus what the actual injury is? I think I, I hated the coverage on this. You know, to be honest with you, he, he he sprained his ankle, right? Like, let's just say what it is. He sprained his ankle. He'll be out until he's healthy. High ankle, low ankle, whatever it is. I don't think he's back until Miami or Buffalo, if I'm being completely honest with you. I, I don't see any need also to rush him back and for him to not have the opportunity to, to heal. You know, you've got to think about what he's thinking about as well, which is, you know, he's on a one-year deal. He's got to be able to be healthy. He can't go into the offseason with a, a lingering injury. They also don't have their bye until the first week of December. So you don't have any reprieve, really, here in the season for him to be able to, you know, reset and recalibrate a little bit. Uh, every athlete thinks they're, uh, you know, great healer. Um, I I would take my time if I were him and the Giants as well. You know, again, if they can tread water a little bit here, win on Monday night against Seattle, now you're 2-2, two and two, and then take another look and see what the best uh, course of action is going to be for the next couple of weeks. You know, uh, now you look at their schedule, the Jets game doesn't look so difficult. Um, Thanks. You know, Washington... <laughs> Washington, I, I, I'm not buying what Washington's doing. I, I think that they're going to, you know, come back down to earth a little bit here. Um, who knows what the Saints will be later in the year? Who knows what the Rams will be later in the year? But at the end of the day, you have to take a longer-term view, I think, with Saquon and let him get to where he is absolutely healthy. Because we saw last year and we saw in the Cardinals game when he is 100% and dynamic, that team is different. Uh, yes, they were in ultimate comeback mode, and, and things were, you know, wacky in that Cardinals game. But we also then see what he, what it's like when he's not healthy. Um, we've gotten enough of that, so I think he's going to be out at least another couple weeks, and he should be. Um, you know, whether it's a high ankle sprain, low ankle sprain, who knows? I, I don't believe any reports that come out, any of these insiders, because they just are all kind of you know, in the pocket uh, of certain agents or teams or whatever. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be out at least until Miami, which would be about a month, you know, that he's been out. So We shall see how all that plays out. Danny Flecka with us here on on, uh, on uh, Teeing It Up. Let, let's move to college for a second. Colorado, Oregon. Is this the week that um, Coach Prime gets his first loss? Absolutely. I, I don't see how they can beat Oregon. Um, I think we've seen week over week here some transition in the, the way that Colorado has been played. Um, you know, TCU got smacked in the mouth. They didn't adjust well at all. 
Nebraska's defense, I thought, did a really good job against them for most of that game. They just were not helped out by their offense at all, uh, and Colorado took advantage of that. And Colorado State, you know, a, a lesser team than I think the, the two previous ones that they played, had a pretty good game plan against them, and you know, unfortunately fell short, and there were some you know, antics that went on in that game. Uh, so, you know, obviously Colorado came away with the win, but, you know, they can't run the ball. They don't have any depth at offensive line. Shador Sanders is like the most sacked quarterback in the NCAA. Uh, defensively, they're going to get gashed against good offensive teams, you know, when they see them. And now you have no Travis Hunter, uh, so their pass game, their pass defense will also be exposed. And the only way I see them staying in this game is if Oregon's committing multiple turnovers and giving them, you know, short fields. But I think it's going to be really hard for Colorado to sustain the same offensive production they have seen the last couple of weeks against now, like, the Oregons, the USC's, the Washington's of the world. As you look at Colorado and what they've done, um, like, we always talk floor ceilings. Like, where is this team? After this, or, or during this season, because they are clearly going to be, you know, a uh, prick in, in, in the side of a, a bunch of teams. But it, but if you think this is the week that, that that they get knocked off, are they then playing spoiler the rest of the way and end up in a nice bowl? Um, what's kind of the ceiling for where this team can be? Yeah, I think we're going to see Chiefs all the rest of the year from them. Um, you know, Oregon, USC, the next two weeks. I don't see a path for them winning those games. Arizona State, Stanford, then we'll probably see them go up, right? So then they're five and two. UCLA, Oregon State, they'll probably again hit the they'll hit the wall there. Then you have Arizona. There's another win potentially, and you close out with Washington State and Utah. I think this is a six and six team, maybe seven and five if they can steal a win against one of these ranked opponents at home. Um, the, you know, the only other the other home games left are USC, Stanford, Oregon State, and Arizona. You know, if they can split those games and then maybe steal one on the road at Arizona State, you know, six and six. I, I think that's the ceiling for this team. Daniel Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. In terms of uh, teams that have much higher ceilings, Ohio State, Notre Dame is the other big featured matchup tomorrow. As you look at this game, is this the biggest test Ohio State will have until Michigan? I think Penn State will give them a game, uh, but that game is in Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is probably, yes, I think overall, I think this is probably their toughest game of the year. Uh, granted, it's not in conference, so you know they, they don't necessarily you know, lose a lot if they, they don't win this game, but... This is a different type of Ohio State team, I think, that we're used to seeing. I get that they demolished Western Kentucky last week, but I still don't know what their quarterback situation is like. Uh, and that's really what drives Ohio State, is that they have great skill players, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterback. I haven't seen what I think I need to see from McCord in order to say that they're going to be able to go into South Bend and win this game, but I'm not going to count them out because when you have guys like Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison, a 10-yard pass can come, you know, a house call. But I think Notre Dame overall will present some issues for them. I think they have a good defensive line. They have some good corners. 
They have a really good offensive line, and they're really physical. And I think that's what we've seen Ohio State struggle with in the past is that physicality. Michigan's done it to them. Um, you know, they just get outclassed a little bit by the more physical teams that they play because they aren't built for that. They build their teams to really take on the SEC-type teams, which is more of an open-speed concept type of game. Um, and in Ohio State's offensive line is, is, you know, transitioning as well. So I think this game is one of the best games that we'll probably see all year. I expect it to be back and forth, tight. And it really comes down, I think, to maybe, you know, the quarterbacks making the throws they have to make. And, and on one side, you have Ohio State with two NFL-ready wide receivers and a quarterback we still have questions on. And on the other side of the ball, we have a great offensive line and a, the better quarterback in this game. So I think, you know, which quarterback can make those big throws on third down in the red zone to get, you know, points on the board, I think is a touchdown type of game. You can't settle for field goals. Um, is going to be the winner. I'm leading Notre Dame, given the environment, given the, the home crowd, given Sam Hartman and the way he's playing and just the physicality that Notre Dame will come with. I mean, I'm leading Notre Dame, but it's going to be really, really close. The uh, Penn State game is in Columbus, by the way. Uh, you were correct on that. Um, and it leads me to this question, which is, you know, the the whole preview of Ohio State uh Notre Dame was about quarterbacks. There is a team in Tuscaloosa right now that some think has a quarterback problem. Does Alabama's future and prospects in the playoff have to do solely with who their quarterback is? Absolutely. 100%. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, there were rumors in the offseason that they were trying to get Drake May to transfer. That didn't work. Um, you know, they took Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who was with Tommy Reese. You know, he's limited. Uh, their recruit, Ty Simpson, that they brought in doesn't seem to be ready. And Milrow, excuse me, Milrow, despite being an athletic freak, you know, he's had accuracy issues. You know, they can get by in most games I think they play. But we saw what happened in that Texas game when you're playing a, a better quarterback on the other side of the ball, what what happens? And I think the positive for Alabama is no other quarterback, I think, on their schedule really should strike that type of fear into them. Um, but at the same time, I think once you get to the playoffs and you are playing potentially the Michigan, the Penn State, the Ohio State, Georgia's of the wall, you know, USC – Anybody from the Pac-12 that would come out, you know, USC, Oregon, uh, Washington, you're going to be facing explosive, dynamic offenses. And eventually your defense is going to bend. And you need that offense to be able to pick up some of the slack. And I think that's where Alabama is going to struggle this year is if they find themselves in games where they have to come back, can they rely on their passing game? Now, we haven't seen it so far. Does that change? Maybe they go to more quick stuff, you know, screens, bubbles, uh, you know, and then play action and try to take some deep shots, maybe, but we just haven't seen that yet, so I don't know if they're even able uh, to execute on that level right now with what they have back there. So they fixed that. They have one of the better rosters in the country, but I don't know. They, they're going to have some, uh, some tough, tough games coming up here where 
the, the quarterback is really going to need to step up and, and really lead this team, I think, to where they need to get to. And that is just winning the West, right? I, I think that's their first goal and, and should be their goal right now is just to win the West. And some very, very uh, nervous fans down there in Alabama trying to figure out if they can get A, to win the West, and then B, ultimately, into the SEC Championship game and, win the, and get into the playoffs. Is there anything else college football-wise that uh, stands out to you uh, as we head into this week four Saturday? I mean, this is a great weekend. Yeah. Absolutely great weekend uh, for football, especially on the college side. I mean, from a top 25 perspective, we are loaded uh, with what we're going to be seeing here this weekend. And, you know, there are a lot of really intriguing games that are out there. Florida State-Clemson, you know, does Clemson have it still? And they'd be a spoiler here and, and knock down Florida State. You know, we'll see. I mean, if they lose, they're probably out of the ACC title race. So that's a really interesting game right there. Um, you know, just looking down here. We mentioned Ole Miss and Alabama. That's another interesting game. Uh, Penn State, Iowa. You know, is Iowa's offense able to do anything? Uh, we'll find out. And maybe Penn State start, you know, stakes their claim as another Big Ten contender. Uh, we mentioned Notre Dame, Ohio State has won. Um, and, you know, some ancillary games that are out there you know, to keep an eye on. You know, Utah, UCLA. I think that's an awesome matchup. Uh, it should be really interesting to see that the Pac-12, I think, this year is just really, really good. Washington State, Oregon State, another you know Pac-12 matchup there that could you know define you know what the title race looks like on that side. Um, and then you got uh, you know one game here. I think that's you know big in the ACC is Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Pittsburgh looked like crap last week against uh, West Virginia. And UNC is quietly putting together another solid start here. You know, does the ACC become, you know, UNC and Florida State? Or, again, will Clemson jump in there and make it a three-team race? I think it's going to be really interesting to see what goes on there. So there's a lot of great games. I just think, you know, especially up here in the Northeast, it's going to be a crappy day tomorrow. Just sit on your couch and enjoy this weekend because it's going to be probably one of the better weekends that we're going to have this year. Isn't it crazy that the conference that is absolutely collapsing has been the most watched and intriguing conference all year <laughs> in the Pac-12? It, it, it is. It's kind of bittersweet, right? To yeah. see a conference that has Oregon, Washington, Pac-12, I mean, uh, USC, Oregon State, Washington State, UCLA, Utah. Those are top 30 programs right now, the way they're playing. And, you know, come next year, they're not going to be playing each other and we're not going to see those types of matchups anymore. So I think that's why these matchups are intriguing, too, is that this is probably the last iteration of a lot of these matchups we're going to see uh, for a long time. And to see the way that, you know, these kids can come out and play, understanding that and knowing that, I think it's going to really give us a great race out there this year. You know, they're going to cannibalize each other, unfortunately. That's just the way the Pac-12 works. Uh, but I do think that they they present a lot of the a lot of the intrigue this year in general. Uh, you know, minus Dion, because Colorado is never going to be a big player this year, regardless. They, they have some of the best players in the country at their positions, and, and we just don't talk about it enough. Let's transition to the NFL with this. A lot of people think that after seeing what Colorado has done, Deion Sanders could get an NFL coaching job 
relatively soon. Your response to that, as somebody who watches both, is? I mean, never say never. Uh, he said he wouldn't want one, um, but you, you never know. I, I don't think it'd be a good fit. A lot of his shtick that he has like really resonates better, I think, with kids than with you know professionals. But you never know, right? Like he, I don't know if he's coaching as much as we think he's coaching. I think he's more of like a CEO type figure and a very brash one at that. Uh, so you know that could work in the NFL, but I don't think it would be the best marriage uh, long term. I, I think. College is where he's at. If anything, he might leapfrog to a bigger college program in a couple of years after he stabilized in Colorado. But I don't see him in the NFL really working that well, to be honest with you. Interesting. We move on now to week three of the NFL. Let's make the Jets talk quick. It's a 14-game winning streak that the Pats have over the Jets. I'm not impressed by anybody in the Pats, and yet Zach Wilson scares the crap out of me and frustrates the crap out of me. So, I don't know. Is this like a 9-3 game that's won by somebody <laughs> on Sunday in the rain? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this goes back to my point that we spoke about when we, we last you know, got together and talked, and it was that I don't trust the Jets' coaching staff. And this, in this game, I think that's, like, the biggest issue is the coaching staff. I, I don't trust them. Um, clearly, Belichick has owned New York. But last year in both games, one could argue that the best team was the Jets. Now, they had a – in the first matchup that they played against them, they had that uh, pick six called back. That really shifted that entire game. Overall, like I thought the Jets played really well in that game, and obviously after that pick six, I think the Pats either scored or kicked the field goal, whatever it was, but like that entire tenor of that game shifted completely after that. Second game, you guys don't have Brees Hall, and you, you dominate defensively, 3-3, and one bad special teams play, and the game's over in overtime on a punt return. So clearly the Jets last year competed, at a high level against the Patriots, their execution and you know some bad bounces forced them to lose the game. I think if you're the Jets and you're Salah and you're Hackett, you have to come out that we have to be aggressive. We cannot just hope that Zach Wilson for the entire game can just manage it and get us where we need to get to. I would come out and take some shots. I would run the ball with Brees Hall. I'd get the ball on his hands. I'd look for some short... Uh, use you know Lazard as an extension in your run game from a blocking perspective. He's one of the best blocking wide receivers probably in the NFL. And use an aggressive approach against this team. Uh, and then hope on the back end your defense can create some sort of game-changing play or limit the Pats offensively. Again, the Pats offensively have been better than they were last year. But I wouldn't say that they're blowing the doors off of any team in the NFL at any point in time. But I don't trust Salah and, and Hackett to do that. I think Salah coaches not to lose games, and he loses them. And I think that's what we're going to see here on Sunday. I'm not backing the Jets. I'm going to keep fading them until I see something that shows me that you know they can actually hit their ceiling. Um, and you know, unfortunately with Zach Wilson, that might be only winning seven games, but... 
They could still be fun doing it. I just don't think they're going to take that route. It could be. It could be fun doing it, but it's, ugh, God, it's horrible. Um, I mean, at the, end, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to this. Is Salah going to be there next year, yes or no? Yes. Is Zach Wilson going to be there, yes or no? No. Then you throw the kitchen sink at whatever it is that you're doing, right? If Wilson isn't going to be there next year, who cares if he gets hit? Who cares if he throws interceptions? Realistically, you know you have a ceiling with him, and you're going to hit it. So if that's the case, be aggressive. Get out there, chuck the ball around, and let your playmakers make some plays. Otherwise, I, 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 it goes back to you know what we talked about again the other day. Like Even with Rodgers, I still would not trust the Jets because of their coaching staff. So if he's not going to be aggressive now, when will he be? And when he is eventually in those tight games with a good quarterback, how is he going to manage the game? I think he just needs to be aggressive. Daniel Flecker with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. We talked about it, you know, uh, a couple of days ago. This is a weird start to the NFL. Some weird teams are doing great. Some weird teams are doing not so great. Let's start on Monday night, and it's a long way off as we talked here on Friday. But what is up with Joe Burrow in your mind, or is it something larger? I think it's the cap. I don't think he's confident at all in what he's doing. Um, and, and, you know, that's to be expected. You have an injury on your lower leg. Uh, you're probably concerned every time you step back. You know, what's it, what's it going to give out? Am I going to be able to get the power I need in this throw? I, I think it's simply just, you know, his injury. And, you know, every, this, this story's been overreported for sure, but I think at the end of the day, it would behoove the Bengals to really look themselves in the mirror and say, can we afford to bench him? And if so, for how long? And if not, are we comfortable knowing that each week we're going to have to hold our, back, our breath? Uh, because I think that's what's going to happen uh, you know, with the Bengals right now. And, and, I mean, his own teammate said it back in August. Sit. Missed some games. You know, if he, were to, if he missed the first two games, they were 0-2 anyway. They're 0-2 now. So maybe it was they, they rushed him back. A little, maybe he rushed himself back a little bit, you know, who knows, but I think it's the injury that's causing him to have the issues that he's having. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's You want to play so bad, you want to be for your team, uh, there for your team on you know, week one, and, and sometimes that, I, I think the allure of week one can be too big, you know? It's like, it's opening day, and everybody wants to be there for opening day, but sometimes missing opening day could be the best thing for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they've they ended up being... 0-2 regardless, and they would have been 0-2 regardless without Joe Burrow. So it might have made sense for him to, to sit out a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I think the thing, too, that the Bengals ran into, and, and I don't really like this at all on the NFL side, is the IR stuff. You have to miss four games regardless. I, I think that that needs to be adjusted moving forward because a lot of times these, these players don't need the four weeks to get healthy. They only need two or three. Um, you know, it should be more like the like baseball, where you have like a ten day DL or whatever, right? Like where you after those ten days reassess and you just stay on that that DL until you're able to come back and be healthy. I I, I think that's a lot to what happens with with some of this you know injury management. Is that can we afford to to lose you for four weeks? But knowing that in the back of our mind, in two or three, you're going to be healthy. You know, the, the IR should be for more long term 
sustain like long-term injuries, not you know some short-term things that come up. Which is really interesting because that that would be bringing it back to where it was, which was originally IR, no chance of return, and then the pandemic changed everything, and then doors opened, and we're now where we are with with missing four games. It's a really interesting point you bring up. Um, Take a, taking a broad look at, at this slate of games this weekend, what what catches your eye? Yeah, so I mean, I'll just go down the list here. Tennessee, Cleveland. It's gonna be interesting to see what Cleveland's going to be like moving forward. Uh, I mean, Watson. Whew, I mean, he's not good right now. <laughs> Lost Chop. So you know, what are they gonna be like? Because they have. I think that they're in a very similar situation as the Jets. Um, some good skill players, you know, they obviously lost Chubb, uh, a good defense, but their QB situation is blah, right? Uh, Watson is better than, than Wilson, but, you know, take away all the personal stuff that Watson did, I think the Jets fans are going to have Watson than, uh, than Wilson right now. Probably, Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee, I mean, they're going to muck it up against them, so that's going to be, I, I think, a very low-scoring physical game. Atlanta-Detroit, I'm not buying Atlanta. Detroit had a big dud, lots of injuries. We'll see what they can be. I think that I still think that they are better than Atlanta, but Atlanta's just you know, choking the life out of games with their run attack right now. So until teams can make them come back from double-digit-plus deficits and really put them away, they're going to be in games. Green Bay against the Saints. I think that should be a good game. Uh, I like Green Bay in that one. I, I don't think the Saints are, are any any good. I know they're 2-0, but they've been, I guess, you know, the Titans being a last-second field goal to beat them, and Carolina's not, not very good at all. Miami, Denver, do we think Denver's any good? I think I think we know Russell Wilson may be a little bit washed up, uh, so you know I, I think that that game Miami should win, but you never know. But Miami's looked good; they they have a really good team this year. Um, the Desperation Bowl, Los Angeles versus Minnesota, <laughs> <laughs> two teams that just can't find their way out of a paper bag if they wanted if they tried. I, I think this game is, you know. I would not be surprised if the Chargers lose if Staley is not fired by the middle of October. Hmm. Um, that's my stance. I, I think that you know the Chargers have an opportunity here to really kind of right the ship. Um, they have you know some winnable games coming up, but you look at I'm just looking at their schedule here after the Vikings, Raiders, Cowboys, Chiefs. So. You know, you're, you're potentially looking at, if you don't win this game, one in five. With that roster, with that quarterback, with that team, it's just unacceptable for them. So, <clears throat> we'll see what happens there. And obviously, if Minnesota loses, I'm sure on uh, Monday morning, we're going to be hearing the Jets clamoring for Kirk Cousins. Yep. I would take um, him. Right? As, as, <laughs> I mean, look. This is I just feel like the window is so is is so narrow that I would take Kirk. I mean, Kirk is right now the number one quarterback in the NFL. If you just look at you know pure statistics, um, he'd be a good fit in that in that offense yeah. for sure. I you know I guess it's the appetite of Minnesota. You know, if you're zero three, 
Do you really think that the team is going to be able to turn it around and make the playoffs? I don't think so. Again, I'm looking at their schedule here. You lose to the Chargers, and they got Panthers, Chiefs, Bears, 49ers, Packers. Like so, you know, they could be two and six, or you know, whatever, three and five. The chance of them fighting all the way back to make the playoffs is probably unlikely. And if Kirk Cousins isn't, you know, going to be there long term, get something for him. Why not? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Get something more than a Buffalo Washington. That's an interesting game. Um, I again, I don't buy Washington. I think Buffalo, you know, figured some stuff out last week. I know it was the Raiders, and they they boat raced them, but I I don't think Washington is as good as they are showing. Powell is still, I think, figuring it out. Um, and I just think Buffalo will be able to, to do some things offensively against that defense that they'll kind of bring them back down to earth a little bit. Houston, Jacksonville. Um, I think Jacksonville bounces back there. Nothing nothing to see there, really. Baltimore, Indy. Again, uh, Indies without Richardson. Really don't expect too much out of that game. Baltimore should be able to you know cruise to a victory there. Carolina, Seattle. And Bryce Young's out. Seattle looks good on on Sunday. They should win that game, but you know I think Seattle's gonna be one of those teams that's gonna be just up and down all season. Uh, Chicago, Kansas City. I mean, Chicago's a mess, man. They've had a week uh, between their defensive coordinator getting resigning. There were reports that the FBI raided his house, and there were reports that they didn't. Justin Fields calling out the coaching. I, I don't know what's going over, going on over there. Wait, there's, there's one more that happened today. Soldier Field uh, got uh, the uh, Bears had a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff stolen out of Soldier Field last night. Yeah, they are just a, a mess right now. Yeah. And then you go into Kansas City. I mean, good luck there. It'd be nice if if Chicago. I don't expect them to win that game, but it'd be nice for them just to I think show something a little bit different. Uh, again, you can be bad. But you can be fun at the same time. You don't have to be so conservative and predictable. You have a dynamic quarterback. I think Fields is getting a bad rap. I think at the end of the day, it's not fitting a system to the players you have. right? And I think that's what's making some of these teams with these young quarterbacks stunt a little bit. You know, they, they hit their head and then they don't get past it. It's because they're not molding the game to them instead of trying to make them mold to your game, right? Justin Fields is who he is. He's an athletic quarterback with scrambling ability, some inaccuracies with the passing game, but still, he can throw the ball. they got to figure it out. Um, Dallas, Arizona, you know, even with the loss of Diggs, I think Dallas will take care of business. Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, I think that's also a desperation game. Um, you know, they're both one and one, but they've looked bad doing it. Pittsburgh's offense looks like trash. Vegas's defense looked like trash last week. You know, which team is a little bit better than bad, right? I, I think that's what it comes down to in that game. Then on Monday night, we got two games, Philly, Tampa Bay. You know, I think Philadelphia is going to start hitting their groove here a little bit. They've been off to a slow start. I think they're going to start hitting their groove. They're just too good. 
offensively to not be able to put up 28, 31 points a game uh, without even you know trying. They just, I think they're that good, and they should get to that level. And then LA against Cincinnati, you know, it all depends on the Burrow plays. If Burrow plays, I think Cincinnati kind of gets back on their, you know, back in the groove. They'll rely on their run game a little bit more. They'll get the ball out to Chase and let him create a little bit and really, you know, I think, put stress in the LA defense. But, you know, I think it all depends on if Burrow plays or not. Yeah, I mean, that changes everything. And, and then what kind of Burrow are you getting as well um, is, is, is a big factor there. So that is the rundown of week three in the National Football League. I, I can't believe we're already at week three, Danny. It, the, yeah, this, I mean, this thing flies. Once it starts, it flies. It does. And, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, what I – I like this week, you know, from a betting side, too. I like Buffalo. Bigger spread that I like taking at minus six and a half. But, again, I think Washington has relied a lot on unscripted scenarios and some fortunate turnover luck. I think that ends on Sunday. I like the pass against the Jets. Like I said, I'm going to fade the Jets until they show me something a little bit different here. Um... And I like Green Bay against the Saints. I just like what Green Bay's been. I know that they blew the lead last week, but I like what they're doing up there. And then I like the over in the L.A.-Minnesota game. I think we're just going to see bombs just all over the place. With Jefferson, Keenan Allen, you know, Kirk Cousins, again, he's been throwing the ball left and right. They don't run the ball at all, so I do expect a, a pretty entertaining game there. You did call the Desperation Bowl for a reason. <laughs> yes, I mean, there are a couple this week. Uh, that game, the Jets pass, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas. And I think those are all games that you could, you know, put a star next to that you're going to see some um, some interesting things happen in, it, in those games. To say the least, yeah. Those are some teams that, that may take some risk down the stretch uh, if they need to get it on the right course. Danny, as always, thank you, my friend. Is there anything else that you want to say before we shut this podcast down for the day? No, I, I, I think it's going to be crappy weather this weekend, but we got a, a good weekend to hunker down here to watch some games. So I just got to, you know, even though you can't enjoy yourself outside, just sit down on that couch and watch these games. Amen. All right, my friend, we'll see you next week. And thank you all for joining us here on Teeing It Up. Have a great football weekend, everybody.